thing that Jesus said. His sole purpose was to focus our thoughts on the coming kingdom of God. Thus beginning a vicious cycle of relational growth. As I learn more about the kind of kingdom God wants to be ushering in, I would know more about him, God. And the more I can know about God, the more I can understand the kind of kingdom that God has in store for us. We commonly know the Lord's Prayer, which will be the topic of the next three weeks, as the pattern that Jesus gives a group of people at the Sermon on the Mount. There are less people who call it the disciples' prayer because it's patterned for the people who are hearing. It's an invitation into a time, into a space, and into an experience. And while he prays it, if Jesus' purpose was to say and do things that would turn our thoughts toward the kingdom of God, then it's really ours. So we methodically will go through each clause, helping us not only to understand various ways that Jesus is calling us into a life of prayer, but into more than that. It's a life of purpose and into a life of vocation. A few weeks ago, my rooted group fasted. It was the last time I preached. I was fasting. And we spent 24 hours of fasting to then enter in a three-hour window of prayer. And the things that came out of that beautiful experience were moving, were powerful. There were breakthroughs for people's lives that a whole life's worth of Christian journey had come to a crux point in this, in this time and in this experience of prayer. Today, some of your church friends who are not sitting with you in the pews have fasted and are in a season of prayer. Some did it last week, last week, and then some are doing it this week. This idea of experience and not just a formula of how we begin with the thanksgivings and then the petitions and then the closure and how it goes. This is, this is how we pray. For the next three weeks, we are going to be in a topic concerning prayer. The Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer, our experience. You know it well. You've heard it over and over again. And not too Far back, Pastor Milton had us saying this as it was the backbone for some of the conversations we had been having here. So Jesus begins in Matthew chapter 6, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. There is a boldness and there is a power in this idea of addressing God the Father and saying, hallowed be your name. Because, as Shakespeare says, what's in a name? Right? What does it mean to have the name that you have? 
Is there a story behind it? So my first name, my mother will tell you, while, while a certain show was popular, Days of Our Lives, during the time that I was born, there was a Kayla on that show. So when I was little, people would say, oh, your mom must watch Days of Our Lives. I cannot confirm or deny that. Happy birthday, Mom. But she will tell you, no, my grandmother's names were Kayatana and Stella. I took the K, I took the La, put them together, here I am. There's, some of us have stories about where our first name comes from, where the namesakes start. Some of us have stories or some of us just have the weight behind what it means to have your last name. And in the circles of Adventism, depending on which Adventist church you go to, and if you're in Loma Linda and you have the last name of something, and you walk into the church all of a sudden, like a celebrity has walked in. So this morning, as I was driving in to church, I, I, was, I had my praise music going, and there were a lot of things that just kept talking because when talking to me, God was talking to me. When, when Jesus prays, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, I'm thinking of this relationship that, that Jesus is expressing. His identity in his Father. And for me, I went through a handful of generations. A handful, like three. Me, my dad, my grandfather, what that means for, for who I am today. My grandfather taught the mallet kids how to play tennis every Sunday. He would wake us up before the sun was out because he knew if we were playing tennis when it was sunny, we would just start sweating and sit. So he said, we will be up and we will be at the courts and we will play. And so he would stand at the net, and he was a little petite man, very thin but nimble. And he would stand at the net, and sometimes he would just throw it, and he would make us run across the courts. And if we didn't get there in time, he would just laugh. Because, you see, there was a little bit of a language barrier between me and my grandfather. He didn't speak English very well. And between him and my grandmother, she was the talker. So the one or two words that would come out were, ha, 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 run, right? Get there. It was a thing that the Mallet cousins did on Sundays. And then my dad, who would be so awesome, would bring the donuts. So on Sundays, we would play tennis, we would have donuts, and then we would come back. And it was this thing that the Mallet cousins did. And so when my grandfather passed away on the boutonnieres that we had as, as the children and as the family of him, there were scissors because he was a tailor and tennis rackets because that was a thing that we did. And so I remember the first time that I went to the Philippines without my parents, and my grandparents had been there. And when we went to church, they all tried to figure out which grandchild I was, like who, who was my parents? Was I the doctor's daughter, the dentist's daughter? Oh, you're, you're not the oldest daughter. We know her kids. They were born here. 
And so it was fascinating to see once they would figure out who I was based on who my father was. Oh, well, then you must be. So when Jesus starts praying this prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, there is a boldness that we don't often talk about. Scholars will say that this is the first time where we see Jesus bringing the relational aspect of this relationship of God to his people. It's finally relational versus just a God who's here, who acts and who does and who tells. But now it's personal. Now it's intimate. Kind of like a, yeah, here I am. Dad, what's up? More reverent than that, but it's an acknowledgement of this time and this space that we are creating in between us. And we'll note how ingenious Jesus is. And I say ingenious all the time because I'm just like floored, but then I'm like, God, duh. But when Jesus says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, he knows that the Jews who have been listening, the Jews who are here at the Sermon on the Mount who have been eating up all the words or maybe scrutinizing all the words, but hanging on each phrase and on each articulation, when Jesus says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, the Hebrew people, the Israelites, the Jews, they will perk up with just a little bit of a detail. Jesus is claiming the people of the Exodus. God's people, because in Exodus God's talking to Moses, and he says, the people of Israel, God's firstborn, my sons. Let my people go so that they might serve me. Jesus knows that when we pray to our Father, this means them, the people who God has already claimed as his sons, his chosen ones. Let's talk to the God of liberation. Let's talk to the God of deliverance. But what's fascinating is that Jesus here is saying, for all who is listening to me, anybody who is sitting in my presence, this is for you as well. Pray this prayer. Our Father, you now get to claim to be a part of the liberated people. You now get to claim to be a part of this legacy that I have. This is such an audacious claim to pray our Father. And for most of us, we just begin the prayer with dear God or dear Father in heaven. And we move on to the petitions and the requests because of the chaos of our lives. But for the next three weeks, as we, as we focus on the prayer that Jesus gives and tells us to pray I think that we will reprioritize the things that we are looking at and the ways that we pray them if we can just sit with this for a moment. Because for you and I, the average person to pray our Father, we are stepping in to an invitation. Not something that is just intimate or personal, but this is revolutionary. And not something that is just familiar to people or what we're used to doing, but this is hope. When we pray to our Father, we are claiming that we are his chosen people. Jesus' life and his teaching 
isn't just about a timeless vision of God, that when we look at Jesus, we have this transcendent image of who God is. Jesus didn't come simply to offer a new pattern, a new depth to spirituality. And while those things happen, while we get a new framework of spiritual depth, depth, and while renewal comes for us, they're not the point. The point for us is to be in relationship with the one who will deliver us from evil, who will provide us our bread of life, who will be the one that we are in relationship with as God's kingdom comes. If salvation weren't the issue, would you still be after the way of Jesus? Or do you do this because we get a thing? Because this prayer talks about the relationship that we get to enter into and that we get to live, and salvation is the gift. Thank you, Jesus. So that when we pray this prayer, we're acknowledging a few different things. Jesus takes an enormous risk by saying that these things are going to happen through his ministry that the kingdom will come, that the will of God will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we will get our daily bread, that our debts will be forgiven, and that we're going to have the ability to forgive those, that we will be brought out of evil. And that we will get to experience the power and the glory that is the kingdom. There's a big risk that Jesus is taking by starting off a prayer with our Father and claiming the next few things. But Father would be the first word if we looked at this in the Greek, and this is where he begins. If my last name were Beckham, if my last name were Kardashian, if my last name were Obama, Gates, Jobs, Trump, there would be certain things we would assume. There would be certain things that we would assess. There would be certain things that we sign up for when we claim that. But when we pray our Father, I'm not sure we are assuming or claiming certain things that Jesus is telling us that we have the opportunity to when we pray this way. In the days of biblical tradition, we know that people learned the trades of their fathers. I was a tent maker. I was a blacksmith. I was whatever your father was, was the way that you entered into your livelihood and you perpetuated that craft, that trade, as well as just society's interaction with each other because you were the one that provided the service. And so we needed you to do that. To be a young apprentice and to claim your father's trade said something about who you are who you were going to be, and what you could contribute to the world. And so if you decided to be somebody who claimed a different trade, ooh, man, crazy things. Or if you were a nobody and tried to become somebody's apprentice, ooh, your life was about to change. We get to choose to be the apprentices of Jesus, of God on the Most High. When we pray, our Father, we are saying, let us sit at your feet, let us claim your name. 
These are the things that we are going to sign up for, and there are the things that we are going to assume. So more than just a pattern and more than just repetition of the prayer that comes from the Bible. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, is powerful. It's moving. It changes something about you. So when we read, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have heaven and earth, God's two interlocking realms, and we're ready for something to happen there. Something did happen there. Jesus tells us to pray this because he's calling about a reality that we will get to experience in this present, that they got to experience in his presence. Your will be done here as it is up there. I don't know if you guys are ready for Christmas, but it's my favorite holiday. And on, on the memes are coming out, November 1 through 27, Christmas, November 28, Thanksgiving, November 29 through December 25, Christmas. If you look at Walmart's calendar, Christmas starts in October alongside Halloween. And then all of a sudden, November 1 comes and it's like, what happened to Thanksgiving? I say this because last Christmas, we took different stories in scripture and we looked at different prophecies and we looked at how the people anticipated the arrival of baby Jesus. And how the wise men were the one who knew because they had been students of the word. So they knew what they were looking for and they, they anticipated well. To be the people who know what it looks like to have the Messiah arrive. If you knew the prophecies well, then you can anticipate the Messiah. So when Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done, we are affirming the Jewish people's customs that here I am. The will's done. The kingdom is here. I, the Messiah, who is doing the ministry of God here, everything I do and everything I say is to turn your thoughts into the kingdom and start you on this vicious cycle of the more I know about the kingdom, the more I learn about God, and the more I learn about God, the more I understand the kingdom and how I get to be here. And it's not just a circle, it's a spiral, and it's a spiral up. So the people who are hearing this can say, oh, the one of the scriptures. But the people who aren't familiar with the scriptures can say, this new kingdom, I want it. And so this prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is an example of how Jesus says, yes, Jews, yes, Israelites, yes, Hebrews, Yes, you are my chosen people. And then he continues to say, yes, Gentiles. Yes, everyone else. Yes, anyone else. Yes, you too. You are my chosen people. Ministry to implement the realities of the prophecies, to release the captives of Israel and otherwise. Deliverance from evil. To reconcile God to his people, God to his creation. In Jesus, a new kingdom has arrived, and because of his life, because of his death, and because of his resurrection, everything is different. And similarly to the first questions, I think that we can 
ask the question and struggle with, but if the kingdom is here now, how come I still see evil? How come I still experience injustice? How come there are situations that I need to be delivered from? And that is the tension that you and I both live in. But to pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is not a resignation. Well, God, whatever your will, I'll just let it be. This is a prayer of submission and of commission. It is what we sign up for when we pray our Father to call all of creation to live this life. You and I as bits of clay that God has breathed into as people You and I are the earth. So as he continues to breathe into us and he continues to change the earth that we inhabit, who we literally are, what we do with that and how we now affect the planet earth and the societal world that we are a part of, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because you all have a purpose and you all have a testimony and you have a story. And as God continues to affect it and write it and shape it, that little earth in you, your own little clay, is being shaped and molded and pressed in different ways. You become the will done on earth as it is in heaven as we allow Jesus to flow in and through us. So to pray Our Father is to call all of creation to sing this song, for the darkness of the earth to be touched by his light. And this prayer is more than a pattern. It is our intercession. It is how we are going to utilize the earth that we are and the earth that he gave us to allow people to experience a new kind of kingdom. Yesterday, I went to chapel with the elementary students at the academy, and we made paper airplanes, and we talked about how awesome technology is and vehicles are that they can move us from one place to another. Where could we go? Where can this plane take you? Where can we travel to? And then I ripped the paper, and and the paper airplane became a rocket. And where can rockets take us into space and into the universe, and how big the cosmos, and we have access like people can do that but my point was that the bible is a vehicle as well this transports us into a space into a time into a place where we get to access relationship with god and when i ripped the paper one more time that rocket turned into a cross because while there is one purpose for for this book and it's to send us to a relationship with god The story of the relationship with God is the story of the cross. So we start this conversation for the next few weeks of the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer, a prayer that we are going to be so bold to pray. Do you think of yourself as the little lump of clay that got breathed into that now gets to be the earth that God's kingdom gets to come and infiltrate? Because you are. You are the little bit of earth that God's kingdom gets to be built on. That God's kingdom gets to be spread by. 
this is how we anticipate how the earth will be changed when, when Jesus comes. It's literally to say, my earth, this earth, our earth. How are you changing the earth in your own existence? How are you ushering the kingdom in? Jesus, who says all of this by saying, our Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know whose fa- family you would want to be in if you had a chance to, to choose a different one for a day. Or whose footsteps would you like to walk in to claim a different reality, to experience a different life? But this prayer is an invitation to do that. This prayer is Jesus saying, I have a different life for you. Pray in this way. Pray our Father and claim yourselves as one of the legacies of God. There was a wise presenter that a handful of us in the church community got to listen to, and they said, be the person today that heaven is celebrating you for in the future. Be that person today. God has a work in you. God is doing a work in and through you. And heaven is celebrating it. Be that person today. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. Over the next three weeks as we sit and we, we dive into the rest of this prayer, I have three opportunities for you. There's no particular order, but I hope that you take them on, one, two, and three, at your leisure and at your convenience for what you think works best. But one, take each phrase as a framework for what you'll pray for. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Kingdom come, will be done. When, when was the last time you prayed about the kingdom and in what way? Take each phrase. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread. What does that look like? Pray about the situations where these things inspire the framework for how you pray. So that's one option. Or that is one of the ways that I'm inviting you. Two, repeat the prayer daily. Repeat it slowly. Give yourself a new cadence. Give yourself a new opportunity to experience our Father. Be intentional with the prayer that Jesus gave to his people. It's been prayed for over 2,000 years. We are standing on holy ground when we pray this prayer. And option three, like I said, I hope you do all three over the next three weeks. Take each phrase. So tomorrow you can start with our Father. Monday, hallowed be your name. Tuesday, kingdom come. Wednesday, give us our bread. Thursday, forgive us our debts. Friday, deliver us from evil. Saturday, I love it. Kingdom, power, and glory. In this mode, just retreat to that phrase in prayer for the day. So tomorrow, five times, ten times, fifteen times, once an hour, just sit in our Father. And on Tuesday, sit in your kingdom come. And on Wednesday, sit and give us this day our daily bread. Multiple times a day, being your retreat prayer for that day. Let these things, let these experiences be the lenses 
that you get to experience God, that you get to see God working, that you get to claim his power, his glory, and who he is to your life. Jesus has called each and every one of us. Jesus wants goodness for each and every one of us. So good that I think he would say, even without salvation, I think you should think this is good. And so on top of that, here is the gift of eternity with me. Our life has the opportunity to be in that direction and to be that good. That salvation is the afterthought. That's what Christ is calling us into when we pray our Father. That's who we get to claim as our own, and that's what we get to experience as a life. So do that with us in the next few weeks.